0: competitive 40K Network presents Art of War. Art of War. Strategy and tactics. Discussions with the best players on the planet. On the planet. With your host, Paul Murphy and expert coach, Nick Nanavati.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another Art of War podcast. You may have noticed... But this is not Paul Murphy, I am Nick Nanavati. and today I'm double dosing as both your hostess with the mostest and your subject matter expert. Because today, we're talking about a faction so near and dear to my heart. We are going to be talking about the one, the only, chaotic demons. Today we are going to be joined by a guest who is one of my favorite people in Warhammer. I've only had the pleasure of playing him once, and he kicked my ass so hard that people still talk about it. We met once at Charity Hammer last year in 2021, and man, what a great time that was! Today I present to you Tanner Herbert, long-term demon player, two-year playing competitively, only pretty much exclusively plays Chaos demons and Chaos base rings and things of that nature. Let me tell you, this man knows the ins and outs of the jinky Chaos goodness, and we're gonna walk through this episode today, to talk about in part one of this two part show, part one, we're going to break up our format a little bit. Part one, we're going to be talking about what is good in this demon codex. A very candid discussion. I know we've done a couple codex reviews on our YouTube, and uh, Down Under's got one. And, you know, those are all awesome. I implore you to check those out. But today, Tanner and I are really going to try to get into it like what are his ideas are, what my ideas are. I think we're in different places. We're going to try to converge a little bit. And then in part two, which of course is for subscribers only. So if you're not a subscriber yet, what are you doing? Go get all that goodness. You can do it on our Patreon or website or our youtube channel that's where you get the second half of this two-part show we'll be building a list from the ground up in real time with you together not only will you walk away from that podcast with a uh, hopefully a very good demon list but you'll also get some really key insights into how exactly it is top players go about building army lists the discussions the conversations toss this unit away let's put this thing in super exciting times tanner how are you doing my friend
0: good morning nick Thanks for having me. I am super pumped. I've been playing nothing but chaos for the last since I've taken the game seriously. And uh, demons have been pretty bad since midway through 8th edition. So it's nice to have some new rules. Um, I know. Seriously. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Well, how are you feeling? Because like, honestly, I've been super down about the the old Demon Codex. Basically, since it came out in 8th edition in the last four years, we've been stuck with it. And uh, demons are near and dear to my heart. They're actually my favorite faction in 40k, and I've pretty much not played them at all because of how depressing it's been. Have you been riding out the struggle bus playing with them? Are you excited for this new codex? What are you feeling?
0: Boy, I... Let's see. In 8th edition, I played Vessel's List as my first good list. My very first list was uh, Exploding World Eaters Rhinos that you could warp time back when that was good. And right after that, it was Plague Bears and Demon Princes. And that was pretty tight. And then since then, it's been pretty hellacious. There hasn't really been anything good to play out of a pure demons list. That wasn't even a pure demons list. But um, I think what every diehard demon player thinks about themselves is that if you played through those dark days, it made you good at Warhammer. And uh, I was kind of disappointed when I read the codex a couple days ago because I wanted more horde, more troop-based movement. I like the old combat mechanics and I I don't think that's what this book is good at, but it has its own new series of jank and it does refuse to play the game of Warhammer that all the other armies are playing, so I think that's really exciting. That's fun. That's what got me hyped about it. I've played two games of pure demons and two games of demons and CSM soup. Well, Death Guard soup. And it's really fun. It's more powerful than it seemed like it was going to be. The stuff that's obviously strong is just obviously Strong teleporting mechanics are fun, they're hard for the other player to keep track of and like realistically plan an excellent turn of movement against. So we we kept some fun stuff. We got some new fun stuff. How about that?
1: I feel pretty similar, honestly. I, I think there's definitely things about this codex I wish were better, more exaggerated. Kind of I feel like there's a lot of missed potential for like This could have been really cool. Uh, A great example is like the unit sizes; even are just like you take ten dudes. That's that's what you get. But I don't want to just be doom and gloom about the codex because I do think Mm. between the warp storm, the deep strike mechanics, and just like the uniqueness to the feel of the codex, I think there is a lot of room for uh, unique player skill expression.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. Um, Let me let me real quick say three things that i'm a little bit either concerned about leaning on or disappointed in and then i can be positive about all the rest of the
1: stuff let's get it out of the way i love
0: it (laughs) troops are too expensive and i own way too many infantry units i'll never play again that one's tough. I own Storm...
1: 45 Screamers. You cannot even pretend to run 45 <laughs> Screamers.
0: I have 120 Plague Bearers, 90 Blood Letters, and 90 Demonettes on the shelf. And I'm playing about 20 of any of those at a given time right now. But uh, the troops are too expensive. The Warp Storm Point Generation is really dicey. You can't count on it, but you kind of need to use it in most of the builds I've been building. Um, and really easily, you can build an army that's too low on on unit count, and have real activation problems turn 4, turn 5.
1: I've I've experienced completely the same things, honestly. Um, Number of unit counts, just army composition in general is going to be quite a unique challenge with this army, because it's so... It doesn't play like any other codex. You don't have a frame of reference. The closest thing I'd attribute to is Gene Stealer Cult of All Things, which they already <laughs> play weird. So
0: That's a good analogy. It's a non-Horde version of GSC, right? Yeah. It's like
1: an elite version of GSC. Elite yeah. in air quotes here, because it's still
0: made of okay. universe, sort of. Those are my complaints. Here's what I think is good in the book in a general or archetypal sense. Um, the big dumb monsters are really good. You can just put big dumb monsters on the board and do really well and go positive. That's rad. It's really fast. It's also fast in a way that no book other than GSC has been before with variable deep striking. And the stuff that you get to deep strike is more like 8th edition GSC, where if it hits, it hits. You have good saves all across the board. The demon save mechanic is great. People are freaking out in my region because they're like, oh no, I can't null zone you. But realistically, if you play demons, you haven't been null zoned in like two years. I was going to
1: say, null zone's not been a thing.
0: (laughs) It doesn't exist. The only thing that it's better against are hammerheads. And it's like, that's tight to get a save.
1: It is nice. that Because if you're building big monsters, hammerheads are like immediately the thing you think of that just dumps you. And honestly, it doesn't just dump you. Big deal.
0: Yeah, I am three for four on rolling saves against hammerheads right now and the one that went through almost into the game so it's nice to get a save um you have really easy access to minus one to hit and if you want to play big dumb monsters you can play four that are t8 or t7 minus one to wound so like so what big dumb monsters know are
1: you considering like I, I i'm not one to enjoy the big dumb monster list i like way more flexibility when i play but i think a lot yep. of people care about the big dumb monsters so let's,
0: let's yeah okay well i have played two games of belly two thirsters and the keeper and it was shockingly good Really, i just put okay, it on the a, board a, not
1: the ones i expected you to say what was the loadout you had on these things
0: yeah well okay so bellacore is amazing right do we need to talk about why he's good here or are we assuming our listeners have read the stats
1: um i i think a, a very like 30 second brief summary of how awesome bellacore is for those who maybe don't play demons but are trying to learn about how this codex works and then then we can move on from that because he's been talked about to death
0: okay well d- defensively he's minus one the hit he's t7 he's minus one the wound you can't re-roll the hit against him so he's better than t8 which is fantastic he moves 12 and he flies and he doesn't degrade poorly it's I think it's 12, 10, 8, or 12, 9, 8. So he's going quick. Yeah. Yeah, on the movement, which was, that has always been a big hurdle for playing Demon Monsters, how quickly they bracket. And he has 20 wounds. The guy is, he's very tough.
1: He's a warp locust. I think that's the, the number one thing we just got to say here. Yeah.
0: When we, when we get to list composition, to Bellacor, to not Bellacor determines your entire build. There's so much chank with him. Anyways, you're playing big, smashy monsters. He hits the least hard of all of them, but he's the toughest to shoot and remove. And he has fly. So that's one 12-inch moving flying unit. Bloodthirsters move 12. They hit as hard as a knight. They're just as tough as a knight defensively. I would say a few wounds less, but a 5-up in melee is equally as good as any knight you're going to get. They hit plenty hard, and they have great size bases that are easy to move around a board, which, when you're playing monsters, is a big deal. And they have fly. So two Bloodthirsters and belly get to move in straight lines, versus when you—I think the closest equivalent to this kind of list is a knight's list. They lose so much movement moving around terrain when you play player place. Like, you know how easy it is to make your own deployment zone impossible for knights to navigate. Even not
1: in player place. Like the way in the war room we often teach how to play against knights and big dumb monsters and vehicles is literally just move block, move block, move block and isolate. Pick one off at of time, that kind of thing. And being this fly is-
0: keyword solves that. It's so much harder with Fly keyword, and they're all characters, so you have heroic problems. And then the keepers move base 16, and you can have a keeper, they're an innately minus one to hit now, and you can have one that's minus one to wound at T7, which is again better than T8. So that build has 80 T8 or better wounds that moves. Three of them in 12-inch straight lines at you, independent of terrain, and one that is equivalently the same because it's going 16. And on turn one, there's no reason you don't advance all four of them into the middle of the board. Say, your turn, have nothing exposed, you don't try and hide if they don't clear you in that turn, it's kind of GG in a lot of games. So
1: this is not a monster build where you would deep strike your blood, your blood thirsters and keepers off of bellacore for warped locust auto charges. You're just like, here's my stats. I'm running at you.
0: uh totally matchup dependent, but it, I mean, if they don't have the shooting to kill belly, they don't have the shooting to kill four of them and if they do have the shooting to kill belly and it's short range we can teleport them over on turn two and lone monsters there's a lot of ways to get them there i think that archetype of 80 t8 or better wounds it on four-ups and shooting is just more than some people's armies can handle. Yeah, it's, it's um, very
1: much, to me, feels like a stat checklist, which doesn't <clears throat> win tournaments like LVO, but definitely no. you can go positive very well with it. And, a fun yeah, player, and our, it's a fun army.
0: <laughs> our previous demon list could not go positive, much less win LVO. So this is an archetype that is strong and is Playable. And if you're going to a tournament to have fun and you're not trying to go first, I think you're going to see a lot of demon players going three, two, four, one with stuff like that.
1: I think uh, I was just talking on the Down Under podcast that we do. Uh, he was asking me. Uh, where do I think demons stack up like on a tier rating? And I was, I was struggling to answer that question because I think there's two different answers. Demons in the hands of people who are the majority of players, I would say you pick up and play the army, copy paste the list, just try to, try to pick it up. I think they're going to do okay. You know, like you might go yeah. positive four and two, probably a B tier kind of codex, but in the hands of someone who really puts the time in to learn the nuances, really understand the army's intricacies because it plays so uniquely, I think it's easily a tier, like this is actually strong.
0: Interesting. Um, I think w- I agree with you in that the... the m- okay, so movement's the most important part of the game, right? I think everybody Some who's trying... That.
1: Hard, Some say that.
0: <laughs> you've been known to say something, uh, something like this. I tend to agree. Demons create a unique movement situation for other armies that n- nobody's used to and certainly hasn't been solved yet which is if they build a pressure based list, which I think the best demon lists are going to at least have a pressure threat. I don't think you can play a passive demon list and unless maybe you go into all Nurgle and just say you can't get primary and play like a Sigmar style Nurgle list. Completely. Um,
1: I think that's a build where you run like a ton of Nurgle things and you mess with their actions you, you increase your obsec, you decrease their yeah. number of models and
0: it kind of writes
1: itself as far as I'm just sitting here playing mission at you. And I find that very uninspiring in how it's done, but it is a good build, I think.
0: Yeah, I think there's a good build in there. I haven't written that one to a point that's satisfying to me. I think every other build is this weird combination of it can run at you if you can't stop it from doing that. If you move to screen the midfield, you give things that are fast charges. If you stay in your deployment zone, demons will jeep strike in the midfield But close enough to you, if you want to be in any relevant place, they're still hitting charges on sixes and sevens. And people aren't building 8th edition lists where there's like 40 screening guardsmen anymore. The stuff that people put on the table is valuable, and they rarely can afford to lose it. The 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 small amounts of of trash they bring,
1: like your your kind of obligatory troops or maybe small units like four crude hounds, Mm -hmm. that's not enough of a screen against demons.
0: No, not at all. And again, you're not a monster player, but I do like to play monsters. I play a lot of monster lists. And there's plenty of games that you just win when you're playing a monster list. When someone thinks that the screening is more valuable than risking a monster charge, and they give you four options to roll a 10, one of which goes through, and all of a sudden you've given a bloodthirster an extra 12 inches of movement, that can be game-losing. So let, let's unpack this, because
1: I honestly... Yep. I would describe myself a, you know, an accomplished Warhammer player, but I probably, out of all the archetypes in Warhammer, I would probably play Monsters and Knights the worst out of all of them. So sure. if you're just wanting walking across the table these monsters, you've stat checked your mm-hmm. guns, they're not going to blow you up. That box is checked. And then yep. when you say they value screening over potentially giving up like a 10-inch charge, I'm trying to think mm-hmm. of... Well I wanna I'm gonna unpack that for our listeners a little bit as far as what that means. Basically just throwing out some small chaff stuff to potentially make the deep strike elements of my army like flamers or whatever less impactful. Um but By screening, you get closer to the enemy because otherwise you're just going backwards, which is the wrong direction for the mission. And the bloodthirsters, the keepers of the world, they can potentially launch some turn one charges into whatever you're screening with. So that's the idea Tanner's talking about. But what do you actually want to charge a screen with a bloodthirster for? Don't you feel like that bloodthirster (laughs) ends up just like a mile in front of your army and isolated?
0: Yeah. So (laughs) yes, and... um. I think one of the things when you look at stat-checking monster lists that most people don't um, think about, unless you've played a lot of monster lists or you have a friend who plays them into you, the monster list strength isn't really saying, hey, my monsters never die and they kill all your models. The monster list strength is really that it's a primary denial army hiding in big balls of stats. And the objective, at least for me when I play a list like that, is that I want the monsters to be in these disruptive positions at the end of their charges, threatening, heroics, saying, it's not safe for you to come and walk onto the objectives and take them from me, even if I'm not standing on them myself. So you, if you get those opportunities for early charges, it's not that like, oh boy, I got 10 more inches and I got some crude hounds and now there's less screens, though of course that's helpful. Um, I think what we're going to find as demon players now is, we're basically making our deep strike charges when we drop our units. It's more of, you get the ability to put monsters in a position that's really inconvenient for someone to walk into. Um, And because we're playing this coin-flippy T8 game, the other opponent (laughs) better kill the thing that they shoot at or have the combat units allocated such that you've set up the rest of your monsters for more advantageous damage output. But I think that manipulating where someone feels like it's safe for them to move into is the real value of big monsters. Usually it makes them deploy too defensively to score well. You get to allocate in your damage, which is very limited when you're playing monsters, into the things that are real threats and be disruptive about where people can move before they're getting bumped and heroic. Then it becomes this whole big cluster.
1: With the monster-style army... Like you said, you you have very limited damage options. You have four activations Mm -hmm. of close combat, maybe a couple psychic powers. So you have to very picky, choosy, deliberate with what you kill. How do you make the call of focusing out the things that are going to kill you, like their anti-tank weapons, anti-monster weapons, Mm -hmm. versus like these guys are standing on an objective and they need to die? You said it's a primary control army, so my instinct tells me, and in my experience playing against it, it, it is like board control, primary control. So do you focus those troops, or do you try to eat the primary loss early, kill the guns and efficient things. And then just your monsters are immortal from that point. So it doesn't matter.
0: Uh, I think the latter almost never works. Frankly, like you see a lot of monsters list, table the other person and lose. And my goal when I play a monsters list is to get tabled and win. Um, love that approach. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. i i don't know what to say other than like i think that's totally reasonable like yeah great. Right. okay player. let's get more granular about the the way we generate points then because i think this is another thing that the demons book does that leans towards the monster builds which is why you'll see a lot of them okay we have one good secondary right it's the purge secondary and you're gonna score 15 over the are, course are of the game
1: r- fundamental disagreement on this the what? i i Wait, hold on. Maybe maybe I'm misunderstanding you. What is the purge secondary that you think is the good one?
0: Let me check, Neff. It is called, uh, it's definitely not reality rebels like Jack said. It's we're cool rebels against reality. Yeah, so you score one victory point for each table quarter that has one or more Chaos Demons unit in it wholly within unless the opponent has more units wholly within the same I'm table sorry. quarter. Th-
1: this is our good secondary. I got all
0: yep. confused. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> is it, <did> <laughs> this is
1: purge the enemy category?
0: No, 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 no. Is it, what is it? Purge the Vermin? Battlefield the, supremacy.
1: Purge the Vermin's a Necron secondary.
0: <laughs> that's the Necron one, right?
1: Yeah. It's the Yeah, it's it's a battlef- table quarters control. It's, so it's Battlefield Supremacy category. Okay, that's where it's I was.
0: Battlefield all, up. all good, all good. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, that's our good secondary. That incentivizes you putting demons in the opponent's quarters as far as i'm concerned i don't think you want to play a list that invites people to come into your quarters i think you want to say you don't have time to get in my backfield you don't have time to contest the middle you have to allocate two to three turns clearing these 80 wounds off of your objectives at which point we'll have max reality rebels we're probably playing warp ritual we'll have finished that one and then uh, third secondary is dicey, but I think pressuring, keeping people boxed in, saying "I'm not standing on every objective, I'm making you not stand on your safe objectives" is the way that that list is going to play, and it's not going to score a hundred, but it is probably going to score a lot of eighties and force people to like embarrassingly low scores of fifty and sixty, right? And then be dead at the end of the game.
1: So I, I like that general strategy. Basically, table quarters as your battlefield supremacy is—it's it's like better engaged, I would describe it. You, as you yes. said, you get one. You get points for having units, more units of your demon army in each quarter than your opponent has in theirs. There's just never going to have units on your half of the board unless things have gone terribly. So two yep. quarters done, you can probably just walk into a third pretty effectively. And if you get that fourth, it's just money in the bank.
0: So that's good. It's actually well do. You're going to have someone holy within the center, you know?
1: Yeah, true, true. Especially like if you're doing the warp locus thing, that's where you want to be. And if you're doing Psychic Ritual, that's what you want to be doing. The other part to it, um, for your third secondary, I really think, I agree with Psychic Ritual. That's just something you're going to bake into your demon army because it's so natural to how it plays. Psychic Interrogation is the same kind of one or the other pick. I think we can really do killing secondaries, like no prisoners and assassinate, bring it down, but of course that's based on our opponents so I don't want to just make that plan A. Um, But I think it's, I'll take like if you give up an 8 or 9 on no prisoners that I'll reasonably get, I think I'll probably select that um but i banners and r&d are just things we can do
0: as well yeah i think that's true and i think um if you're playing monsters grind is reasonable um i think cool. grind is a secondary
1: especially for an army that doesn't shoot because i feel like you just miss it turn one you just don't get it and then after yep. that it's up it, it's dicey
0: that's that's fair uh the other demon secondary i mean the other two are bad but now that i've played a couple games the leadership mechanics in demons are not bad no they like, i know you love them yeah, i do love them <laughs> they are real the amount of it's not just that you have reliable like minus 1 minus 2 leadership the amount of ability to modify combat attrition um you might be able to play Nourish by Tear. I'm not sure, but you might be able to do it. So I played
1: as Jukari once, and without going into leadership shenanigans in the slightest. They have uh, uh, Fear and Tear, which is functionally yep. it's the same secondary, just different name, different faction. I played in a Jukari mirror. This was at ATC. The guy had like 120 racks or something. I was running triple Tantalus with lots of Flamer Racks and Incubi. Not the point. He, I picked like No Prisoners or something or whatever. And he was like, you should pick Fear and Terror. And I was like, I'm not picking Fear and Terror. But we, <laughs> because we are having fun, we, I scored it out as though I did pick Fear and Terror without playing as if I had it, just to see what I would have backdoored myself into. And with yep. not going out of my way at all, without building for it, without playing for it, I scored like a seven. So, yeah. I mean, demons especially just build their leadership mechanics into their game. So I think yep. absolutely versus like armies that have infantry units that do have morale to take you're not making the plan your army is running away but like you get a unit to run away and they get like two or three guys to feel combat attrition boom that's points
0: yeah and now i don't want to get too excited here but i'm rereading the secondary and it says each time an enemy model flees the battlefield score a victory point that's just the one guy who fails on morale check right it's not combat attrition i
1: thought it was the combat
0: attrition If it's combat attrition, this secondary might actually be excellent because there's going to be times when you're minus three combat attrition and you hit one guy at minus three leadership or you kill three guys out of a model and you might spike this for like, if it's combat attrition, I'm kind of taking it all back. I've seen a lot of things fleeing in my games.
1: I I, I don't want to, I don't want to get married to the idea that is combat attrition. I thought it was, but now you're making me second guess myself. I do believe it is, um, I think it's another one of those, like, in-the-right-scenario-secondaries. Because, like, the yeah. example I used was against 120 racks. People are running away in this game. So and that, that, That's how I played it in that game with the guy who told me to take it. So, it's kind of part of why I'm, like, yeah. not that attrition. But, the like, you, you don't take this versus a night army. Nobody runs away in a nope. night army. So, it's not, again, plan A, but it's totally a flex you can do.
0: Yeah, I think it's more playable than I thought before. So... That I mean, that's that's the archetype that I think is the obviously strong one out of the book. I would love to hear your thoughts on, like, what's the first thing you're trying to play? I, and don't tell me it's Harpster's List. I didn't. <laughs> triple Soul Grinder, Jack. What are you doing, dude? Doing, that's actually, not the move.
1: He's played it against me. It is better than than it sounds. I really like, <laughs> like that. Triple Soul Grinder was a big problem for me. It, it's kind of similar to what you're doing, but it's instead of... Yeah, it... it Instead of trying to blitz your opponent on that, it kind of just exists in midfield and says, I control two thirds of the table. Mm-hmm. I'm putting my army into park. Do something. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's- yeah. Um, anyways, that's not what I'm excited about. Just try to, <laughs> trying to give some context here. The f- so, I played the game very differently or view it differently to the monster build. So, what I've been trying to do is come up with fundamentally what are the weaknesses that I'm trying to circumnavigate and just troubleshoot from there over and over and over again. So the first thing I look at when I see the Demon Codex is the obvious build to me is Bellacor is broken. So, and, sure. you know, he's 420 and he's a design choice. So if you don't build a Bellacor list, like you will have, you will end up in a different spot in this conversation to the one I'm going to take you. But if to me, I think Bellacor is such an easy starting place and it'll allow me to explore all the different stuff a Demon Codex can do because it encourages you to play every God a little bit. So I want to start there.
0: Get a feel for it. Do you want to talk about some belly combos while we're on them?
1: I mean, we, we should, right?
0: <laughs> What's your two favorite things Belicore can do?
1: My two favorite things Belicore can do. I, I really like that he can benefit from any orb storms. So, like, one of my favorite, and we'll get to this in my list design concepts. I really like trapping people in close combat to avoid being mm-hmm. shot, and Belicore being corn can just be like four up, you don't leave. And if you have enough corn units, like a few Bloodletters and Bellicor, charging a variety of things, a four-up is not reliable, but like five four-ups, one of them will hit, you know? So you can tag a lot of things. Now, part of the challenge to that is tagging so many things means you get punched back, unfortunately. But uh, Bellicor doesn't really care about being punched back. He's pretty tough.
0: He sure does not care. Right.
1: So that's what I'm thinking with him. Uh, I I mean, just the general Warp Locust Deep Strike Charge, like the sauce. I really love the the fact that he already brings a minus one leadership aura, minus one combat attrition aura on his data sheet, which will stack with a Demon Codex rule for minus one leadership. And then, of course, you can use the Warp Storm for minus one leadership. So you can combo it all off and get a nine inch aura very easily of minus three leadership and just that. That's like the crux to this list in my mind. Not the only crux, because people can just like decide to bring infiltrators and then life's hard again. But minus three leadership is a great place to start for this guy.
0: All right. Can I contribute my please, two favorite Bellicor please, please. things? Yeah. I think the <laughs> I know that it's going to be seen in the Pac Northwest because I'm going to play it. But and we're calling the list Big Belly's Big Belly Bellicor in the backfield outside of everything but hammerhead range teleporting with the zinch character drop turn two I and just forging your entire army that is just going to beat a lot of people
1: yeah i think that to me that's just like a trick you can pull off um where he just deep strikes in and then warp locuses and goodbye army i love it because like you said some armies you you want to run across the table with them some armies you want to put them in the backfield and teleport them it's it's Really, a generalship army and how an approach.
0: Yeah, I uh, that I think is my favorite trick because I really, when I build a list, I like to look for what are two or three things I can put in this list that invalidate forty percent of my competition, so I don't have to worry about those games. And it's like if you didn't bring infiltrators and you do lose to Bellicore teleport, if that's in your list and you have a good thing to put in his belly, almost half of your games are already solved. I think the other favorite thing about <laughs> about bellicore and i know i've heard people talking about this is flexing into the nurgle psychic discipline if you're playing a list that isn't going to be handling him well in combat already or is going to try and handle him in two rounds of combat it's like shockingly strong
1: Nurgle's right you're saying just give him every power let him run in yeah yeah i also love that nurgle has very techy powers which i don't really want to include by bringing in a little herald or something Uh, i'm thinking remove opsec or minus one toughness but Telecore mm-hmm. just spending a CP to just know it in the moment. That's that's sauce.
0: I like it's that. very good. Okay. But I interrupted you from your, your initial list. I it's would okay. love to hear what you're trying. So
1: I'm a big fan of flamers. I think they're obviously strong. Um, okay. I know, I've tried them a couple times and I'm pretty sure like stats per point. You just want to run three. No, you may have find better things that work with your army, but like they're so brutally efficient at what they do that three units is just saucy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you, I think for me, in this style, I pretty much have to run a Herald of Zinch in some capacity. Um, that way I have access to the plus two, the whole do Warpstorm point spell, because I, I want yep. to re- use warp storm effectively, and you can't just rely on eight dice trying to get forced to do it. Yep. Um, you'll also get access to a damage spell that is good in the form of... Uh, Very good. I forget what its name is. The nine dice roll fives, you do mortals. The,
0: just makes Tsun sad spell.
1: Yeah. Better firestorm. That's the, that's what it's called. <laughs> that's what it's called. Um, so I think that guy is just kind of in the list. Uh, I like a unit of pink horrors to just be your backfield. Like it gets bigger. People shoot it. It doesn't work. You can really do some shenanigans by having like one guy on an objective and split to continue growing. I think that's fine. From there, I like like an infernal trap or two. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm haven't built this list that's part part of what we're doing part two for all you subscribers but the infernal and raptures really allow you to have multiple warp loci and then if you have a, a fairly large amount of demonettes or things like that you can you can really have different places that you can deep strike in so for people who get clever and, and bring like a singular infiltrator unit and like you know like that can be in one spot i'm going to put three spots here um Bloodletters, I think, are mandatory because one, you can make them hit very hard and demons do actually struggle to kill really tough targets unless you bring your bloodthirsters and things like that. So yep. we definitely need to hit stuff hard and with buffs, you can make them kind of crazy. And then, of course, the trapping combat, I think, is a big... like That is that is how I plan to beat Tao. straight up. Like, like yep. armies that just shoot, I just want to trap them in combat. I think that's better than trying to get yourself into a shooting war. And that's pretty much... Where my build archetype is going. I'm going to try to take Bellicor and a couple Warp Lokai, deliver combat to your face, and then make you pay for it. The the thing that's going to stop this, of course, is the infiltrator problem and people who don't care, like Blood Angel Army. It's like, bring it. Charge me. I don't I don't care. So I think you need enough of an ability to have a ground presence that you can actually just play 40k the normal way. Um, where we kind of trade and jockey for position and things like that. To Jack's point, that's where soul grinders actually kind of contribute because they're durable and wander around the midfield pretty well. Uh, I've seen mm-hmm. people try Beasts of Nurgle to good to efficacy here. Like, they're just kind of chonky. I actually really want to get your opinion on Beasts of Nurgle in just a second. Oh, boy. Let me yeah. let me finish this diatribe. So, the Beasts, I think, do that well. Um, I really like the Zinch gun line, actually. Three Exalted Flamers, three units of Flamers, and maybe some Burning Chariots. I got shot by that. I was so brutally impressed. Like it one shot of Bloodthirster, just the six of those. Interesting. So, so that gave me a lot more respect to that. Of course, that army is challenging to make work because you want to get within twelve and eighteen inches and then you're allergic to close combat. But I oh. think that's like the challenge, right? So you can supplement it with combat, so you bring your guns to bear. You can screen with horrors, which I think is really interesting here. Mm-hmm. But a unit of pink horrors in front of your exalted flamers and regular flamers people want to shoot your horror screen to clear it so they can charge your, your good characters and whatever, and your screen gets larger. They charge your horrors, your horrors are all going to die, but they couldn't physically charge your stuff you care about. So, Interesting.
0: I, I've no, not I, gotta tell you, put, yeah. I feel totally the opposite about that particular microcosm. Really? I think that because we don't have access to fallback and shoot, at least not in an easy way to do without doing like a Bellicor teleport out, I like the Flamers' screens because I don't want to get them bumped. I don't really care if they die. I look at those things as if they're just a damage tax. And so like, they're going to shoot you. And if you want to charge them, they're going to shoot you again. I, I, they're not pistol anymore. They're assault D6.
1: So between the, uh, the Bellacor Shroud Step thing and the ability to pick up a character for one CP and just put it somewhere else for are ch- I find like you, you don't, they just do not stop shooting. It's kind of like, yeah, you could bump everything and not everything gets to shoot, but bumping everything is, is a very tall order unless I put them all like base to base next to each other like silly and bumping a little bit is very ineffective. So if you're spending movement resources and just effort trying to just tag me a little bit, it won't work. And that I think is really powerful. It's kind of
0: like Tao in that regard. Yeah, fair enough. Touch all of it or it's not enough. Um, okay, well, that's an interesting archetype you're leaning into. I gotta tell you, I'm excited to see how it plays out. I think intuitively that the strength of demons is not trying to play 40k like the rest of people play 40k, though. I agree I just, with that wholeheartedly. I have real concerns. The unit count is tough. The points per wound is tough. We have the same bolter problem that we've always had. It's worse now than it used to be. Um,
1: and it's just not be shot at bolters where possible. <laughs> Like, like I am not trying to lean into let's test Bloodletter durability or Plague Barrel durability versus Intercessors. No, I don't want to figure that out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is one of the first books that's come out in this edition where the comparison to an Intercessor is actually unfavorable in a lot of situations. Uh, Where you're like, man, I have these invulnerable saves and I've got cool, unique weapons, but if five Intercessors run into my ten dudes and just shoot and punch me, almost any type of my dudes will be dead. So... I don't want that interaction at all. I'm leaning way more into the the ability to make good deep strike charges. I do take your point that if people start playing Marines again with in, like infiltrators, it will be a problem. Be I just cool. don't see I don't see that happening. In the, in I, the I think it
1: play. happens if demons start doing well. Like it's cause and effect yeah. there. So I'm I'm trying to yeah. get ahead of it a little bit, but maybe unnecessary at this point. Um, I want to bring us back to the, my my other question though, like just generally speaking, those elite models, Beast Integral especially because they're brand new in profile, but fiends, yeah. flesh hound seekers, screamers, blood crushers, all those jazzes. What what is your take?
0: Oh yeah, well let me get hype about this man. Like everything you just listed used to be trash, and now most of it's pretty good. Um, yeah, they actually I'm did those things one- like some good. I'm proud of them. Yeah, everything but Screamers are tight. And Screamers got done pretty dirty. But if you just want to play the mission, Screamers are still they're viable.
1: I actually um, want to explore three-man Screamer units to just really play the mission.
0: Yeah, I'd love if you would do that and then get back to me on how it works so I don't have to do that. Because okay, I okay. think I'll, they're bad.
1: I'll add that. Too. I, 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 I'm not sold that this is good, but I think it is worth putting it on the <laughs> table.
0: Definitely give it a try. I love beasts. Uh, I don't think a pack of them is good unless you're playing all Nurgle, but I think one of them is fantastic or two by one is really good as well. In my head, a beast is now what three Nurglings used to be. Um, better in some ways, worse in some ways. So what is I'm the job of,
1: with- of a beast of Nurgle? Like you're holding your backfield, but they're not Obsec, And they're one model for the purposes of like anything can test this and they don't infiltrate. So I feel like they're very different to Nurglings, but. That,
0: you know? Yeah, um, they're similar in my head in that I put them somewhere and then I can forget about them, which is what I used to do with Nurglings a lot. Um, they don't want to be exposed to direct fire, they do want to be exposed to five space marine shooting. Um, their heroic is really irritating if someone's doing the stuff that comes up turn four, turn five a lot where you're low on resources and they're like, man, I'm going to park this like four wound hammerhead away from combat on your objective to be a little bit irritating. You're like, okay, great. The beast intervenes and now you're taking a shot that I don't roll two sixes or what have you to hit. I think they... They have that good late-game role of they don't die to the scattering of stuff that's left over at the end of the game. I think they don't die to indirect very often, which is great. We have a, a decent amount of Chaos Knights up here with Havocs just trying to plink away your backfield stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're a lot cheaper than any of your troop options. I don't like pinks because they're so spendy. I don't want to spend 150 points to hold my backfield. When with player placed, I can put a wall in front of a beast and pay 80. Um, that's kind of where my head's at on the beast. I think they're great. I, I play a lot of solo spawn in my CSM lists. I have a lot of lists with solo
1: spawn or MVPs. You know, everyone knows about the solo post spawn.
0: Great, yeah. Spawnathan should be in every list. This is just the new Spawnathan, as far as I'm concerned. You don't who think he's has- too
1: spendy at 80 though? For like solo spawn at 23, who cares? But solo oh, yeah. spawn for 80.
0: Mm-hmm. He's spendy, man, but, and we'll do this in the second half, you don't have very many units that you can afford to leave anywhere. He's the cheapest unit that's not an Exalted Flamer or a Nurgling.
1: I really hate that Furies just don't exist.
0: Bothers me. Furies are gone, Nurglings don't fill your troop tax anymore, and troops are hard to justify in this book, in every list I'm writing. I like troops. Uh,
1: (laughs) I'm like thinking six units of troops over
0: here. Well, okay. In that case, you don't need any beasts. I'm writing a lot of lists with two or three squads of bloodletters. Um, one of the things that's sweet about this book for sure is that the farther you lean into one god, the more synergies you get with your spell access, with your mm-hmm. character rerolls. I think there's going to be a good Slim Nash build with a lot of demon nets. I think there's pretty solid pure corn builds, if that's, a, if yeah. that's your thing. Right. Um, I think Zinch has an incredible... You just die to any sort of melee problem. I think
1: Zinch needs other god support. You can't pretend Uh, combat's not there.
0: agree. The more you lean into a single god, the more you can get value out of your troops. There's this interesting tension between the troops really want a herald. The greater demons give you a herald. You don't really have that many points. If you're playing Heralds and Troops, then I don't think you need beasts. The more big individual activations that you're relying on, the more I think you want one or two beasts to stand around and be resilient when they can't spare the guns. Um, so those are good. Let me tell you about my favorite improved unit, though, Nick, and you're going to hate it, but the Hellcow? What's the what's the corn thing called? Blood Crushers? Bl-
1: Did you e- call a Blood Crusher a Hellcow? I have never heard that.
0: That's definitely what it is, man. I, I yell moo when they charge. You got it. I would like. To, I think it's more of a bison, personally. Mm, okay. Well, all right. Agree to disagree. These <laughs> things got a huge glow up, and I kind of think they're just better blood letters.
1: Now. Sell me on that. All right. So I, I'm going to tell you why I disagree, and then I want you to tell me okay. why I'm wrong. So yeah. they're not infantry, and we all know mm-hmm. how walls work. So For sure. So that sucks. They're faster, and mm-hmm. it's really nice being able to like be behind a wall and then mm-hmm. pop your two CP strats to move at the end of your charge phase so to get around your wall, then move 10, then go mm-hmm. charge something. That's I think that's what they want to be doing if they're not deep striking charging. That is a good job. But at the yeah. same time, those bloodletters could just walk straight through the wall instead of around the wall and then move six inches, which I think when you're all said and done is kind of in the same spot. Point for yeah. point, 10 bloodletters is I believe 130, 3 crushers is 135, and they have the same number of attacks, 10 models, 3 models, but you know, same total number. And mm-hmm. 10 of them are OPSEC and 10 bodies instead of three of them being not OPSEC and three bodies for the purposes of just standing on an objective. Also, yeah. infantry keyword.
0: Those are all great points. Uh, I'm going to seize one of them as the core of my argument. Blood crushers are five points more for a men's squad. They're also core. They're also blood letter for keywords. They have an icon and a banner. You get all the same strat access, you get all the same buff access. So if you're doing Herald buffs or you're by a Bloodthirster for rerolls, you're hitting equally as hard, more or less, right? There's a little bit less damage, too. There's a little bit more Strength 7. But they they hit equivalently hard. But what they are is they're T5, they're 4 wounds, and they have a 4-up in melee, which... Again, you're not playing the pressure style that I've been playing so far. There's a lot of times in my games where someone can't afford to allocate quality resources to my small things in the middle without putting themselves in a bad position or potentially underkilling a big demon. And having something with a four up in melee that's not a greater demon is really nice, especially at T5. The bloodletters hit for sure. And like having a four up in shooting is a swingy but somewhat durable proposition. But I really like having. I wouldn't play all blood crushers, but if I'm looking at 3x10 blood letters or 2x10 in a squad of blood crushers, I keep finding uses for T5 four wounds.
1: That's really I interesting. Just, it's just a defensive profile they bring you. Cuz I'll I totally agree. Blood letters fall over way faster. That's they real. Fall
0: over way fast. It's like twice as fast in a lot of situations, right? And Taking that- fours to fives and having a four-up in melee, like these things are about twice as tough as a squad of bloodletters with the things that are really going to engage them. They hit just as hard, and um, cavalry just doesn't matter if you drop them six or seven inches away from someone in charge. You only need to touch them with one hell cow, and the other two bases are like bikers four inches away from the actual model.
1: Totally agree with that, and I think it makes a lot of sense with respect to the direction you're taking your list, because it's like, if everything is just tough, Am I putting my, my Melt-A-Gun, Thunderhammer, whatever, into the Bloodcrusher or the Bloodthirster? You know, it, it, I only have so many of these attacks, and it needs to go everywhere. Whereas, like, yes. if you mix the profiles, you have these super durable monsters, and you have these 60 infantry that are toughness 3, toughness 4. It's like,
0: I'm not... Target priority is too easy. In it's that too case easy. That.
1: Bolters go into bloodletters, hammers go into monsters. Not not just bolters are worthless, hammers go everywhere
0: yeah so I've been liking the blood crushers uh, I think veans are in are, sorry let's stay in corn Fleshhounds also slap they're great have- I'm
1: under impressed with fleshhounds I think they're good for their denies and like the general like price point for what their role is I think it's fine but I'm not mm-hmm. impressed by them They're pretty okay to me
0: interesting i think that they move 12 and they have beast and they're damage two on the charge and that's enough for me that's enough enough i won't argue anymore
1: that's, that is fair i'm about trying to talk shit on them. they're they're yeah. fine uh
0: i do think there's there's a, a weird problem of like how much do you actually have on the board in any given matchup based, because you could reasonably deep strike half your army in a given game it's nice to have things that can hide behind a wall and then go be behind another wall in the next turn reasonably
1: well to me um, that is exactly the role of the fiend um it's in, like fiends are like better hounds in my mind yep um, yeah which i'm glad you kind of asked to started with fiends and then went to fleshhound let's just hop right on over though
0: so. yeah okay i'm scrolling down to fiends uh fiends are better hounds. sure i'm in if you don't need the like weird extra psychic deny even then the, the fiends, fiends are too. great
1: even then, the Fiends the, have the strat for minus two to gas, which is not as good as this three up the top. Nah, it doesn't it's work.
0: not as good as a it, it does do yeah. um, They hit equally hard, more or less. I love that you have these weird damage three tails. Like, that's already come up for me. You're like, oh, yeah, there's three ones on a character. i going to swing the tails. Um, <laughs> I, I miss fallback restrictions that's, on Fiends. That part feels bad. It's bad. But So Perfect Musk is really
1: good. Fiends make me want to run a Slanish character to put Fiona no pain onto them or to give them <laughs> no do you think that's too far
0: it's too far, it's too far. losing Fiona no pain on the keepers is a huge problem frankly like it's, <laughs> yeah it's a big hit i don't think it's even worth bringing i haven't written a list where i thought it was reasonable because our the most wounds we're packing into a squad is like 12 unless you're going to play a six-man fiend squad and they're still t4 oh, i was running a so- six man
1: and tossing fuel no pain on and just letting it go pretend to be a duster i have not put this on the board so when I said it was running, I was thinking.
0: Yeah, it, it might be there. I think Slanesh gets the best benefits of playing largely monofaction because their psychic tree is like the best in the book. I think it's better than Zinch. You like it? It's
1: fantastic. I, I think theirs is all dicey. Like, um, like I don't know if this is going to work. It could, it could be
0: awesome. Yeah, the casting values are a little bit high, but the fact that you get even more leadership shenanigans is really good. They have, I mean, hysterical frenzy is just better than it used to be. You used to pray for like an eight to fight awkwardly in the psychic phase if someone stuck around in combat. And now you just on a seven add plus one attacks and exploding sixes to four. That's crazy, dude. Oh, that yeah. makes the output of a squad of demonettes so much higher. You can also stack that as with as well the icon strat, because so.
1: the icon strat, I yes. believe, is sixes to hit, exp- and then your strat. That, that's or- built
0: into Hysterical.
1: What's So, Hysterical's plus one attack and sixes explode. Oh, the icon is reroll hits. That's what it is. is. Yes. It's just tons and tons of value there.
0: Yeah, so you can volume through. Got a little sidetracked there, but I do think, I mean, their psychic powers are excellent. If you really want to play Fiends, I don't. It may not be bad to play max fiends. You could probably play an army that's max fiends and max flamers and do just fine too.
1: I mean, but so that's not the that's not the part of humans that excites me. Just because now we're just yeah. taking the best stats in the book and spamming. That's- but like, yeah, you you could always just take the best stats in the book and spam them. They are that good.
0: Yeah, I have fiends in a lot of in a lot of my theoretical lists that I haven't played yet. It's tough to argue with the flamer stats. It's tough to say no to two by ten blood letters. I think the problem that we're going to have, which we'll get in part two, is so much of the list kind of builds itself unless you pick a very specific god focused like this list does this one kind of interaction and i think when you're building a take all comers list with demons you're going to very quickly realize like well you spent 400 points on exalted flamers and flamers you spent 300 points on two blood letters plus one troop and very quickly your list fills up so I, I don't know if that's a weakness or a strength. It's good that there's obviously good units in every god. It's tough when you want to start looking at, like, do I take one chariot? Do I play one beast? I don't know. These are not as good as spamming flamers.
1: That's the reps thing, I think, coming in right there. Like, you really need to put the time in. Like I remember back in 7th and 6th when I played demons, like, religiously. The, mm-hmm. the random one-of text that I actually ended up taking by the time I was like really professional with the codex made no sense to the outsider looking in, made perfect sense to mm-hmm. me, and I, you only developed
0: that through repetition. I that's agree. I agree with that. Um, all right, well... I,
1: want, I got about? one more question I want to ask you, Tanner, and one that's been burning, yeah. eating me up inside since I just <laughs> got this codex, and then, then I think it's time to move on to part two and actually put all this beautiful discussion into practical list design. Mm-hmm. What warlord trait do we take? We got one. There are 25.
0: Okay, well, yesterday, I I think we should point this out for the people who are looking at this book and want to play Bellicor and are like, dang, I don't even get to pick a warlord trait. Uh, Games Workshop's notoriously sus at writing rules, and if you include Bellicor, the Demonic Legion's rule says that if your army only contains demon detachments and has any greater demons, one must be your warlord, unless your army also includes Bellicor. Doesn't say you have to take Bellicor. it's not on his data sheet, doesn't have to take your warlord trait. Uh, if you don't take him in a supreme Command, and as far as i read this you don't even have to put the warlord trait on a greater demon if you take bellacor as an hq book lets you put a warlord trait on a herald as That's... long as you don't have any other greater demon i've read it oh it the no exact... i guess it would cycle back to him
1: i've read it the exact same way if you do just an yeah. attachment with bellacor in as a regular hq not a supreme commander you can have your bloodthirster and somehow taking bellacor removes the rule that requires your greater demon to be the warlord but does yep. not replace the rule with belakor must be your warlord it just removes yep. the one restriction so you can go back to having anybody be your warlord which opens up the problem of i have 25 warlord traits and i get one
0: well i know i know the one there's two i'm taking as long as i'm playing bloodthirsters i'm either taking feel no pain on a bloodthirster it's amazing yeah, that's or soft. i'm taking ignore wound caps on either skull taker or a bloodthirster But I know that's not what you're picking.
1: (laughs) So I I think feeling pain on the bloodthirster is absolutely worth the discussion. I also like ignoring one caps. I lean towards feeling pain, but that's I prefer defense to offense pretty much always. The one I think is really, really intriguing, and like time will tell if this will actually be like worthy of the opportunity cost is the uh slant East warlord trade for just retain two warp storm points i've not built- i knew
0: you were gonna pick you- i knew you were gonna pick that well, okay, it's not worth what do you mean it's not worth <laughs> it <laughs> it's
1: not worth it <laughs> okay. <laughs> Taylor, okay collectively between us we have three games of games in this
0: let's let's talk about warp storm points for a second before we go to list building this is a really critical part of playing demons how you're banking on warp storm points will determine the kind of list you're going to build i'm with you the gaze of fate is really valuable to get warp storm points but when you roll eight dice I don't like betting on even or high side. I like to bet on a dice below, right? Like the wrong side of the standard deviation. Yeah, like three out of the so in my head, I'm getting three a turn, right? If you take that Warlord trait, I guess it means you don't have to take a Herald to cast Gaze or you take a Herald to cast Gaze as well. And you say, okay, I get three turn one and I get three turn two, which doesn't unlock anything for me at six that I wouldn't have at five with Gaze of fade.
1: So I think the reason I like the retain two Warp Storm points, and this may not be worth it, but like, conceptually this is why I think it could be good. The, mm-hmm. It allows you to stack retain two Warp Storm points with Gaze of Fates. I think in a Deep Strike heavy demon build where you're coming off of multiple Warp Loci and there's Infernal and raptures and things like that going on, you don't have to blitz your opponent with four greater demons. Totally. You can slow the pace of the game down a lot by just hiding totally. behind walls, Doing your thing for a couple turns. If you slow the pace of the game down, you don't have to use your warp storm points in the first couple turns because you're not doing anything. So mm-hmm. let's maybe spend three to be minus one to hit if necessary. But honestly, Bellicor is already minus one to hit. Rest of the army can hide behind walls, so we don't actually need to spend that on anything. So what I've, I've been thinking is like, what if we retain up to four on turn one? If we rolled four, we're retaining four, and mm-hmm. same thing on turn two. Even we can retain four. And then on turn three, I have 12 Warp Storm points. So you're minus one leadership. The aura is bigger. Your corn is plus one attack. You're getting trapped in combat. All of it at once. And then just have the most explosive turn three you possibly can.
0: Okay. I hate to burst your bubble, but I'm pretty sure that we can't retain more than four that take over. Because each of those oh, specifies so right. yeah.
1: Damn it. This I'm sorry. I
0: had the same thought, but I think you're banking on like eight is your best case that you can count on. Yeah,
1: that's full right.
0: four. And eight is cool. Eight is right? cool.
1: You can do stuff with eight.
0: Heal is great. Heal is definitely great. The slanesh uh plus one advanced slash charge makes you're either on board charges or you're out of deep strike charges much better. So that's three. Are you we should say about Bellacor, taking Bellacor also unlocks all four of the God Warp Storm tables, which is hilarious. But only another if he's reason in his
1: Supreme ta- Command detachment. If he's in a yes. mixed detachment, don't matter. So which if he's is in true. his Supreme Command, he must be your warlord, and we're kind of back to he is your warlord.
0: Which is another reason why I think you don't take that warlord trade. Although like, I don't
1: mind his warlord trade. I'm not excited about it, but I don't mind it. Trapped is yeah. not bad.
0: His is fine, and his is fine. It's much better in the builds you're talking about, right? Where you're actually going to have troops on the board in the command phase nearby Bellacor. Um, which is why I'm not valuing him as much right now, but if you're going to play some Slanesh, fight first army, wide, it's probably what you want, right? It's like you hang out for two turns for sure. Yeah. You're going to have a turn where either they decide it's go turn or you decide it's go turn and you actually do have to scrap being able to flex that by keeping your points is really, really good. Um, the third Slanesh one's terrible. I mean, it's, it's, that's the wrong way to put it. It's really cool to have in the pocket. Right. But if what, someone what tries to play an
1: action, I don't remember. Off-stop. It
0: is uh, dark hallucinations. Start of the opponent's turn until the end of the turn, while there's enemy units within twelve of demon slanesh units. Each time they start to perform an action, roll two dice. If it beats their leadership, the action auto fails and they take a smite. The smites irrelevant, but the being able to deny actions for two warpstorm points is really good. If yeah. you've got fiends up behind a wall and you've got a squad of demonettes that survived, like two of them survived altars and are hiding, that's a really good thing to flex. So that's another use of your warp storm points in that build. But yeah, I uh, just I don't know.
1: I want to. We can just talk about this forever. In fact, we will continue the conversation for another hour or so in part two. So, for those of you who don't know, this is part two. This is part one of a two part show. We're about to hop on over to part two. That is for subscribers only. You can get access to it uh, via subscribing through YouTube, subscribing to our website, theartofwar 40 kcom which, depending on your medium of listening to this, there may be a link right down below. Uh, Of course, you'll get access to all the other part twos. This is like episode. 150 or something? 155? I don't even know. We've been doing this for a while. So you get access to all that content. Tons of hours. Some of the best players in the world. Give that a subscribe. Even if you're not going to join us for part two, it's okay. I still appreciate you and your support. Leave us a like. Leave us a comment if you're listening to this on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Our ability to keep producing this content really depends on your support. So, thank you so much for the support you've given us. Keep it coming. It means the world to us. And we'll catch you later for part two. Tanner... You've been an amazing guest. You've been a pleasure to talk to you. I've had a blast of this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thanks very much, Nick. Thanks for having me. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down
1: Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network.
0: Theartofwar40k.com.